Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. We are a mother-daughter duo of mediums, medical intuitives, psychics, and energy healers offering personal sessions to clients all over the world. And this is our podcast. Coffee with the Sarlows is a platform to share the remarkable experiences of our clients and the messages that are channeled for them from the spirit world. These stories will make you laugh, some will make you cry, and some are certain to be an absolute butt-kicking with love. Our intent for this podcast is to gently and kindly challenge your beliefs, grow your empathy, and help you find pieces of your own self in each one of these individual stories. Before we jump into today's show, we have a few notes for our listeners. Karen and I have personal practices channeling for local and international clients. If the stories in these shows is something you'd like to experience, you can request your own personal session through our website, bysarlo.com. We also have gift certificates available if you wish to gift this experience to someone anywhere in the world. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. This series is your emotional and intuitive intelligence toolkit. We pick one topic every month and provide you with healthy tools for critical thinking and communication. This series airs the first week of every month. The first show is free and can be found on our website, your favorite podcast platform, or YouTube. The full series can be found on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Patreon is our membership portal with a ton of monthly benefits for those of you seeking to grow your emotional and intuitive intelligence. Karen has a personal blog that explores the beauty and importance of intuitive gifts. There's a question and answer segment that addresses listeners' questions. As we mentioned, you can find the complete Sips of Sanity series here, along with handy habit trackers and great reflective questions to help you get the most from the shows. We provide you with guided journeys and music to enrich that experience, and we're running an emotionally intelligent, interactive book club. And for patrons in our top tier, each month we're putting your names into a draw for a free half-hour channeling session with Karen or myself. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Now, on to the show. Good morning, Kelly. How are you? Good morning. I'm I'm doing well. I have a cute little story before you dive into our actual episode. Okay, go. So I was channeling for a young woman yesterday. It was her first time ever seeing a medium. She's extremely excited and like wonderfully respectful. It was it was a really great session. And uh, just quickly, she said, you know, go open. And I said, you know, I have, I have a grandfather on the other side. And she like lit up like a Christmas tree. And she's like, that's literally my only intention today is to talk to my grandfather. But I, she said, you know, I wanted to go open first. I wanted to be really respectful about what maybe needed to come through. But long story short, one of the things um, that he sort of you know, said to me, this is kind of actually a confession on my part. He goes, Kelly, those um, chips that you keep reaching for in the cabinet and that you've been hiding from your mother and hiding <laughs> from your partner oh yesterday God. and today. I didn't know you were hiding oh, yeah. chips. And, and I, I don't do that. I don't care. Like, no. you know, I, I eat well. And for whatever reason, I was reaching for these chips and I couldn't put them down, even though I'm on a point system. Oh, even, I did see you bring two bags of chips into the yeah, house. Even though I know exactly what I need to eat in a day to stay healthy, I literally for one evening and one morning was sneaking chips from you and Eric and like <laughs> taking handfuls and just shoveling them in my mouth. Like I'm really hoping my health coach isn't listening to this, but like he goes, Kelly, the chips are my fault. And I was like, whoa, what? And he's like, I 
I hid chips and I ate them everywhere I went, everywhere I went. And I was actually carting them from my house to your house and hiding them. So he would have hid them like in the car, like in the glove compartment or something and took the bag out. And then, and that's what you were doing. Yes. (laughs) And she says to me, the client, she goes, Kelly, that's my grandfather. She goes, and we hid them around our house for him. Oh my not, God. Not from him, but yeah. they knew that he liked to have a little stash. Yeah. And I, I was like, you don't even know what you've done for my heart because A, I feel less crazy um, because this is just not Kelly behavior. Uh, I said, but like also just to to have that fun of an intimate relationship with the spirit world uh, just made my, my whole day as, you know, as did it hers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, thanks. And they, I, oh, and he even got up my butt about the fact that they were the wrong chips like the, that I had bought the wrong flavor, flavor or brand, both, but flavor, because <laughs> the brand wasn't around when he was when he was alive. Right. Um, but he's like, I ate plain chips, Kelly. Like you got the wrong ones, and I was like, I'm so sorry, sir. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. So here you were having cravings then. Yeah. You literally had craving. Um, for a person who's dead. That's, I think, really cool. Yeah. I know we both get it and and that we both understand that, but for anybody listening, especially for a first-time listener. Yeah. I don't know either that like I've ever um, had a food, like like carried out a food compulsion for someone on the other side. Okay. We've purchased things before, you know, you've purchased a ring, you, and and I don't mean like a crazy expensive one, but, um, you've purchased tulips, we've purchased things around the home and, and been like, oh, this was actually something they would have, have bought themselves or others. I don't know that I've actually, oh, you know, we've even smelled things with the synesthesia, but I've never eaten on behalf of a dead person. Mm -hmm. That was new for me. I've bought humbugs. I've bought. Did you consume them? Um. Yes. Okay. But I also gave them to the client. Aw. And I bought those jelly things with powder on them. Oh, uh, Turkish Delight. Yes. I remember being out once and pulling into freaking bulk bar. I was with you. To get a bag of these things. And, yep. and they're expensive. I got this massive bag. I remember eating maybe four or five of these little tiny things. And then when the client came into the house, I heard the, whoever it was that had passed said the English Turks are for her. Turkish delights. Or Turkish delights. What did I call them? English Turks. <laughs> <laughs> Once the show, you find a way to just absolutely wreck a saying <laughs> or something. Anyway, I gave her the whole bag. That's, that's awesome. And what, yeah, it was just, yeah, I've purchased many things on behalf of dead people, yeah. both of us. Or done things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so thank you for sharing that. That's a yeah. delightful story. Thanks for giving me space. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to start, and um, you can give me the name of a female for this client story, and then I'll launch into it. Okay, thanks. Um, I'm going to choose Mesa. Okay, thank you. On the day of Mesa's session... Earlier in the day, I went out to Walmart and to the mall to just to run some errands. And as I was in the mall, um, I remember talking or hearing in my head um, two people who had crossed over and who told me that they were parents and that I was going to be seeing their child that day. And I did not know which of all of the clients that I was seeing um, that they were referring to. And I think I had like five clients booked that, like that afternoon and evening. 
So I thought, okay, I'll just pay attention to what you're trying to tell me. And they said, well, we're just going to get you to kind of feel our energy for a little bit. We're going to tell you stuff as you're moving around the mall. And I thought, oh, I hope this is good. Because, like, I got shit to do. (laughs) Yes. And I hope you don't have a ton of pain or I won't be able to get my ass through the mall. But what came through, Kelly, was crankiness, um, a heaviness, a criticism. It's also just a natural side effect if you're in Walmart. Oh, that's funny. So good for you for discerning. Oh, my. Okay. And, um, like, I could hear things in Walmart, which were really weird because, well, first of all, I could hear a violin. Hmm. Not something you associate with hearing in Walmart. A little too classy. Not to my experience. If we ever get sponsors on this podcast, it will not be Walmart. (laughs) They're like, pass. (laughs) Right. All they do is trash our store, and yet we go to it all the time. (laughs) Um, So I could hear the violin, and I remembered thinking, is this in Walmart? That's cool. I wonder if they have a little... A section set up where there's actual music. So I was walking around trying to find the violin for a little bit. And then I realized, oh my God, as I get closer to where I think the sound is coming from, it just disappears. It just goes away. And I can't, I can't find anything. And I think I did that like maybe three times. And then I gave up and I thought, oh, this is part of what the spirit world is giving me. I'm supposed to remember a violin. And then I just stored that in my memory. And then moved a little bit further through, and I thought I could hear this conversation while I was standing looking at, and I think it was like the protein bars, like in all that kind of a section, and I was just standing there gazing at all of them. And I could thought I heard this conversation between two people, and it was just like they were talking to a kid, but it was so condescending. It was so manipulative. And it was like there was a kid or somebody trying to choose to purchase something, But the parents were saying things like, well, you don't really want that. That's going to make you look like this. Oh, you really don't want that because this is... But you could hear that what they were doing was controlling the child's thoughts so that the child would come to the conclusion, I don't want it. As opposed to, I picked it up and I obviously want it. I'm asking you for it. And healthy parents could give an answer of no. They could say whatever they want if they're healthy. No, that's not in our budget. Nope, not today. Nope, you have to save up your allowance for it or whatever it is. There could be very healthy answers. But the two people I was listening to were so manipulative in the way that they were trying to change the child's thoughts so that the child came to their own conclusion that I thought I wanted this toy. I'm pretty damn certain I want this toy. This toy makes me feel something happy. If I could have it, I could be happier. But the parents were trying to make it so that the child would come to the conclusion, I never wanted the toy. The toy wouldn't give me any happiness. And it was just, it was messed. It was just really unhealthy um, manipulation. If you are not sure why this is unhealthy and you're listening to this show, I suggest that you go read The Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. If you are listening to this and you're just simply not sure, okay, there's your resource. If you are listening to this and you're like, there's nothing wrong with that, A, get a therapist yeah. and read the book. Yeah. Yeah. And get the hell away from other people for a while until you get healthier. Like that. That's that's a lot of abuse. So... So I could hear that, 
And I went around the corner because I was like really disgusted. (laughs) And I don't know what I would have done, really. But I went around the corner, nobody there. So I'm like, oh, Lord, this is this couple that's been telling me that they're going to give me messages so that I understand what needs to be said to their child. They're giving me information as the morning's going on. But it's all abuse. And it's all control in the sense of, and, and that was a perfect example, control of that they're trying to make their thoughts, her thoughts. It's interesting. This is going to be a really terrible stereotype. Um, I've heard this to be very consistent of children who learn the violin. Oh, seriously? I kid you not. And I mean, my partner's a music instructor and he knows quite a few people as well. And, and consistently individuals who learned violin specifically in their childhood, um, have very similar, uh, kinds of parents. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I just find yeah. it to be in, an interesting um, piece of information. I won't even call it a fact. Yeah. Okay. That's good. So anyway, so as the morning goes on, um, I got into the car and I wasn't coming straight home. I had to go and do a couple of things. And I, I see a woman sitting in the front seat. Now she's dead. And I see the husband sitting in the back seat and he's dead. And I'm in the car and the windows are rolled up because it's cold out. And I can smell cigarette smoke in the car. Now, you know, I'm a non-smoker. So it's easy then to verify that one or both of them smoke. So I had to ask them and they said they both smoked. Cool. Then I smell alcohol and it's like, oh God, I hate that. I wish that the guides could just say they drank alcohol or had issues with alcohol. But I don't know. They don't seem to be listening to me on that one so far. And it's still something that I smell. Ooh, I should be grateful. At least I don't taste it. Or feel drunk at the wheel. Right. Oh, I have a lot to be grateful for today. Yeah, like compared to the rest of the synesthetic gifts. Thanks, Kelly. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm so going to appreciate that I smell alcohol instead of tasting and feeling it. Thank you. Same with cigarettes. Right. Thank you. Yep, I could get it in such worse ways and I don't, so thanks. Mm-hmm. So then I asked the two of them, if it was both of them for the cigarettes, yep. If it was both of them for the alcohol, yes. And I said, did you both have alcohol issues where this was an addiction? And they both said, yes, but we would never have admitted it. We thought we had it totally under control, even though we didn't. We would say that and we wouldn't argue with each other. We just enabled each other. And other people knew, but they would never have confronted us because we had positions in, like, in our society of financial power. So no one was going to challenge that. Mm-hmm. Then she says to me, are you going to pull over? She says, are you going to go over here for a second? And I said, why? She goes, I think you should pull over. She says, because we're going to tell you how we died and we just want to make sure you're okay. So I thought, I'm going to pull over because obviously it's a car accident or they wouldn't be telling me. So I pull over to the side and she says, we died in a head-on collision Hmm. instantly. So I don't know. She says, we just weren't sure if it was going to be like where you think you're in one. Um, yep, even, I've had that. Yes. Well, I have in the... Okay, yes. Uh, sorry, Kelly. So um, so she says, I just wanted you to pull over just in case. She goes, so did you hear it? Are you... Like, what's happening to you? And I said, um, all I get is a smashing headache. And she goes, oh, that's me. She goes, I had, the, I had a head injury that caused my death in the car accident. 
And I said, oh, okay. And, and she says, remember this because it's going to be the validations you're going to need when you talk to our child today, when you talk to our daughter. So I said, that's, that's fine. What else do you want to tell me? And she says, well, we're, we're both coming together today to acknowledge our addictions. We're coming through today to say to her that we were both extremely emotionally and verbally abusive Though we never raised our voice, we didn't, um, how do you say that, Kelly? Um, there was verbal abuse in the forms that, that Patricia Evan illustrates in her book of withholding and avoiding in particular, as well as what we learned earlier in Walmart. So she says, we did a ton of withholding, and we, with, we, we withheld from each other as a couple, to control each other. And we both knew we were doing it. And it was even something we would talk about, like, oh, I guess you're going to not talk to me for the next week. I guess I'm getting the cold treatment. And she says, and we turned that on our child. And she says, we started that from about the time she was 18 months and was starting to create words. She was starting to, like, you know, move freely. As soon as we saw she had some freedom from us to walk away, she says, is when all of this began. And she says, we're coming through to acknowledge it um, and apologize so that um, she can do whatever she wants to with this in her life because it's impacting everything. Her dad says from the back seat, I agree with all of that. I'm here. I'm not saying much. Um, but I agree with everything and I want to be part of it. So I do want you to say it's from both of us. And when we died, we were both in our 50s. So if she's looking for specific things, I, we don't think it's important to say exactly our age, but we were both in our 50s when we passed. And she's calling you because she's trying to figure out some things that are going on currently in her life, but have everything to do with what we did to her. And when she understands we started this at around 18 months old, we're hoping she's going to understand why it's so hard that she's trying to break these patterns. I thanked both of her parents, and I said that I was going to continue on and drive home, and that I needed to, to get in and start the day with the clients. Did they have anything else they wanted to say? And they both said no. And then I just got back to the wheel. They both disappeared, and I went home and started working for the day. She wasn't the first client either, so I had to Continued. wait. Continued working for the day. Oh. <laughs> that was a lot. Right. And some people think we start when their session starts. That's a good point. Yeah, people, you know, not, not a lot of people, but some people kind of have that watch-tapping mentality of like, I have an hour, and you're like, yeah, it started like four hours ago in Walmart. I find about 95% do. I find that that's actually most people that make sure that it starts on time or early. They'll phone five minutes, three minutes early. You and I have very different clientele. No, no, I don't answer the phone. I, I watch and I wait for, for them to call back. Okay, oh. I never accused you of answering oh, the phone I'm sorry. early. I see what you're saying. I'm saying my clients don't treat me like that, but yeah. you tend to actually have a lot more telephone clients than I do. Mm -hmm. uh, mine are all through Zoom and no one gets on a minute early. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's wild. Yeah, and I do find a lot of clients at the end of the session 
um, will say, I have one minute left and I want, and then they list five things and, yeah. and I'll say no. And that's where I'm saying you and I have very different clientele yeah. because I, I will tell people at the beginning, the last two minutes are debriefing. Please keep that in mind when you are asking your questions. Mm -hmm. So when I say at that two minutes kind of mark, I will say, you know, I'm now stopping channeling. I'm now getting into the debriefing process and they sit back and go, yep, go ahead. Like, it's just... Yeah, it's I understand wild. what you're saying. Um, okay, thank you for yeah, sharing all that. that to say you you continued working for the day. Right, Kelly, thanks for pointing that out. Yep, I got your back. Thank I've you. got your six. I'm still obsessed with SWAT. Huh? It's your back. I got your six. Oh. A clock. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> I love that. That's a cute expression. Okay, so... She ended up being, I think, the second or the third client, and I had to wait until we got through the consent process, and then she said to me, Mesa said, I'm here because I like medium and relationships, patterns, and soul contracts and future. And she goes, um, I'm just going to pick all of those out of the list and let you go really open with that, and I will jump in and guide it when I need to. And, I, and then her parents came in and said, this is our daughter. Start with us. She's asking for medium. You can go ahead and go. And I thought, oh, okay. Now, that's not for every client. So other people can't call up and go, hi, Karen. Um, I hear you get things in the grocery store. So what'd you get about me today? Yeah, that, please don't. Yeah, don't do that. We don't want that to happen. <laughs> that's right. It's just a few pushy people. <laughs> we try to get through Walmart and the grocery store and a walk without all of that stuff happening. As my health coach would say, minimizing the damage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So don't do that. But anyway, so her, her, her session started that way. And I said, you know, I said, your, your mom and dad showed up in Walmart and in the mall with me. And she started laughing. She goes, Walmart, eh? And I said, why? Is that something significant? And she said, oh my God, yes. She goes, my parents love going to Walmart. It was like their Saturday morning after breakfast, take their note or their post-it notes of things they needed to pick up and would go over to Walmart for the groceries and get all, they figured they could get most of all of their errands done in one store. So then I did give her the validations her mom and dad gave me in regards to everything I already told you guys. And then I also told her about the conversations I heard, and I gave her the details of the conversations. And she said, uh, why, are you, why are you telling me such details of this conversation? And I said, well, your mom and dad are saying that this is the way that they spoke to you, and that right from the time that you were about 18 months old, that what they did was they always tried to change the way you thought and they tried to change the way you felt and they gaslit you. And she went, wait a minute, I've just heard about this word gaslighting. She goes, and now that you're saying that, she says, um, it makes me think then that my parents are narcissistic because I've only learned that word in relation to people who are narcissistic. And I said, well, they're not the only people that do that. So no, that's not what I'm saying right off the bat, no. And I said, but I am saying that your parents are taking full responsibility for mind manipulation um, from the time that you were just beginning to formulate words and thoughts 
And from the time that you were trying to figure out your identity as to what do I like and what do I not like? And she went, okay. She says, I think I'm just going to let you go, but I think I know where you're going right now. And I said, okay. I said, I'm going to finish what your parents said about that and how much control they exerted over your words, your thoughts, your, and your feelings. And she went, this is very, very true. And I said, they did it to each other very openly in front of other people. Her parents admitted to her that this was something that they did in all kinds of situations. And she was able to confirm that. So then the spirit guide said, they're done. We're taking over. And her parents moved away. They moved away very easily. I would do. <laughs> you met the guides? <laughs> True. Talk about good leadership. Yeah, really, eh, Kelly? I like how you're wording that. I yeah. love it. You know what? Like, I mean, you can think about this in terms of a family unit. Mm-hmm. You can think about this in terms of business. When you have solid leadership that you can trust, you get out of the way when they say get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't go into hurt feelings nope. and all kinds of shit. You just move out of the way because you know that they're making the healthiest decision for everybody. Yeah. So her spirit guides came in and said, we're going to move into relationships. And I said, okay, what do you want her to know? And they said, well, she's been married once and has had two other significant relationships. She's currently single. Give her that. So I did. And she validated it. And then they said, the next piece of information we want to say is that in each of her relationships, she attaches to the other person immediately. And it's because she goes into limerence. She wants an attachment to somebody at all costs, even if they say they're not interested in her. And so she will attach instantly if they show interest at all. So can you define limerence for our audience? Okay, so to the best of my ability, limerence is when you pine over somebody, when you daydream incessantly, um, obsessively, when you make more out of the relationship than there is, when the person says to you, I'm not interested in you, or I'm not interested in this relationship, and you still want a relationship with them, you think that you can win them back. You wonder when they'll come back. Um, They might even move off and start another relationship with someone else, and you still want to know when they're going to break up with that person and come back to you. So you can really go into fantasies that the relationship was more than it really was or had more potential than it really ever had, but you're not willing to see or admit truths in yourself, that your neediness, your insecurities, your fear of rejection, your fear of loss, your fear of being alone drives your desire and your fantasies to make more of something than it is. Well done. Thank you. The guides also said that part of the reason that she steps into this so quickly in every relationship is because she really doesn't know what she thinks. She doesn't know what she wants. She doesn't know what decisions to make. So she's always looking for another person to attach that to. And if she doesn't have a best friend around to attach to, then she just feels like she doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. She feels like no one sees her. 
she feels like she can go through the mall and people don't say hi. Or, like she just doesn't feel like anybody sees her. And so she puts all of that on the male partner and then she wants them to tell her what she thinks, to tell her what she should want. But as soon as they, they don't want that, um, they don't want that control over her. They just wanted sex. They didn't want all of these problems that she's bringing. So when they end that relationship, and it's not always at the very beginning, I have to be clear, it isn't like it's just sex and it's over. Some of those relationships did last years, but eventually she's, she's rejected in all three of those relationships. They are the ones that have walked away from her. So the guide said to explain that to her and to help her make, a, I'll say, a small connection back to the fact that her parents teach her, starting at 18 months, um, that she doesn't know what she thinks, that she doesn't really know what she wants, and that she really does need somebody else to tell her. So they're linking it all the way back to, this is, this is the way that you've been thinking all of your life. And so doesn't it make sense that you feel like you don't exist? Doesn't it make sense that you're scared to make these decisions? or to think that you're going to make mistakes, don't you, don't you think someone should be around to correct you all of the time? So she's always looking for corrections. She always starts sentences, conversations with, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's to the point that it, it's, um, what do you, more than habit, what do you call that, Kelly? Like a compulsion? Yes. Yeah, it's neat because like there's there's two different kinds of intention. Maybe someone will say that there are more. If you're nervous and you're saying, "Correct me if I'm wrong," it's like you're seeking. You're seeking to observe if this person is judging you, is going to criticize you, and there's an anxiety around it. Versus someone who is confidently creating the space for two different people, two separate entities to exist in a conversation to say, I have my space and you have your space and you have permission to correct me if I'm wrong and we will be in this together. There's a very different intention and energy around that. Thank you for clarifying it. And we all know, hopefully anybody listening to this knows that she is definitely not the second person, right. that she's the first and that she's purposely seeking partners because she needs somebody Yep. And she now, at this point in her life, she wants it to be a man. And she wants it to be her, the one. She wants it to be her lifelong partner. She doesn't want to have to date anymore. She wants to marry one man. And she wants this anguish that she's in to be over permanently. Because now she's on her fourth person trying to replace her parents. Right. While I'm repeating all of that information from the guides to Meza. I start getting neck pain, pain in my traps, pain up my neck, uh, pardon me, up my neck and into the back part of the head. And um, the guide said to me, this is her pain. And I thought, oh, thank God I know whose it is. So I ex finished explaining that to her. And I said, Mesa, I said, do you have periodically during this life pain in this part of your body that is an issue for you. And I said, but I'm being told that it just comes and goes, it flares up, and that you haven't really 
identified how it flares up, it's in this area, and that you try to go to a medical doctor to have something diagnosed because this can become really debilitating for you, where you wake up and you don't think you can go to work, you don't think that you can function. Sometimes it will last for days, it can last for weeks, sometimes it goes on for months. And I said, um, and at times, you've even had this pain where you really feel like it's gone on for well over a year, daily. And she went, yes. And I, so I turned to the guides and I said, okay, so do you know what it is? Are we telling her what's going on at this point? And they said, yeah, she's, she's never going to be diagnosed because this is all emotional pain. So I said that to her, that the guides were saying it's never going to be diagnosed. And Mesa started to cry. She felt like, you've got to be kidding me. She was angry, sad. And then I said, okay, I understand your response. And we need to give you some time to cry and to uh, digest that. And I said, but do you think that I might be able to kind of go on a little bit during the session? Or is that too overwhelming? What do you need? And she goes, um, you can go ahead. Um, I'm recording this. And I'll try and digest all of it later. I don't know how much I can. I feel a little bit overwhelmed. But I do want you to keep telling me things. So I said to the guys, what do you want her to know? And they said that this pain originates back to 18 months. And I said, do you mean with an injury? Or do you mean emotional pain of the way her parents treated her that you've been explaining? And they said, with an injury. And I said, well, explain more. So do, does someone need to know and do like a CAT scan or something of the brain? And they said, no, no, it's still purely emotional. But it goes back to in her childhood, when she does have a fall, hits her head, has this pain in the neck, the shoulders, and in her back of her head. She tries to explain this to her parents. She's crying, but they don't want to hear it. So they tell her that there is nothing wrong with her. This is, an, this is the origin of this. And this goes with this pattern that she's been dealing with her whole life. And I said, okay, so would that mean then that if she were to get therapy to work through these issues, if she found somebody who she trusted that could help her develop her identity by giving her small tasks, little bits of homework, all of like, like a therapist, a life coach, whatever she chooses, would this go away? And they said, yes, 100%. So I told her that. She stops crying like on a dime, Kelly. And she goes, this is the best news ever. And I just thought this was the worst news ever. Uh. And she goes, oh my God, I had no idea. She says, I honestly thought that this was a pain that no one was ever going to diagnose until someday I just like have my brains blow up in an aneurysm and I just die. Right. And she says, that's what I was thinking when you said that to me. I can't thank you enough for asking the guides what this really means. And I said, well, hold up. I said, you should have known that because you have had your CAT scans. You have had a medical doctor who's been very responsible and has already confirmed all of this for you. And she went, oh, yeah. Why didn't I listen to that? And I said, well, you have to remember that your parents trained you just to listen and believe certain things. 
And so you have a lot of confusion in your mind as to who is trustworthy. And your doctor is a person who is trustworthy, but you don't see it that way because they're an authority figure equal to your parents. So you're going to have to discuss what you do with authority figures and how you respond when they speak to you. So that, that little piece, I'm going to say, ended way better than both of us thought it was going to. Can we recap? Because I, just for the sake of listeners, you're talking about current pain that mm-hmm. has existed from the time that she was 18 months. So it originated from a physical fall. Yeah resulting in a physical injury. Mm-hmm. But because of the way she was treated at that point of injury, every verbal exchange that has been abusive has been equal to a physical impact. Yes. So each of those criticisms, each of those discounting, denial, crazy-making, withholding, etc., has been the equivalent of hitting her head again uh, flaring up her back, her traps, her neck, etc. Correct. Absolutely correct. That's how devastating words are. Right. And so now, even though her parents have passed, each time she chooses to be in a relationship with a significant other and merges with their identity, each time they treat her in a way that is less than healthy, she's experiencing the equivalence of physical impact. Isn't that incredible? It's like her body is trying to protect her from the abuse by giving her these warnings. Alert, alert, not a safe person, not a healthy person, or not a healthy behavior. If some therapist is listening to this saying, oh, don't attack the person. Cool. Fine. Also, fuck off. Yeah, because we do have to be able to say that if a, the, when the person's behavior is that way, it is the person. You do have to walk away from somebody, the human, that's treating you that way. Even if it is for a half a day. Like, you still have to address the person who's making the choice to conduct themselves that way. Mm-hmm. Unless this is a brain injured, is not acting of their own volition type of individual, mm-hmm. you do have to address the individual. That's right. Yep. Then the guide said, moving on, we're going to get to career. She does want to ask a question about career. And we want to say that she's been in a career and it's office administration. And she has worked for people who treat her similar to the way her parents have treated her, have no respect. um, And I won't go on. Let's just wrap that up that way. And so what they said to her is that she's actually an amazingly gifted artist. And that it is time to go to school to actually get um, some processes down that she doesn't know. But they said to her, don't just go into art school, go into art slash marketing slash business. And I really don't. Somebody might say, wow, Karen, that's terrible. There's an actual name for that. It is terrible. (laughs) It's okay. We're here for you. We love you. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Her face lit up, Kelly. For the first time in that whole session, her face just was ecstatic. And she goes, okay, first of all, I do want to confirm for you, I am in office administration, and I have been in it all of my life. I am an artist. 
I just never thought that I was good enough to move it into a career, but it was one of my questions I wrote down. Is it time now for me to try this as a career? And she said, and I really love logos. She says, I really love like taking someone's story and trying to put it into something visual. Okay, I don't know Mesa or who she is in real life, and I don't know if she's a listener of the podcast show, but I do want to pause and point out that that question alone on her sheet indicates that she has her own thought, that she has her own preference, mm-hmm. that she has an idea of what she likes, mm-hmm. and that is worth pausing to identify. Absolutely. Because and- in spite of the conditioning, in spite of all of the decades that she has been living these this way, something in her is surviving. Really about her. Some, not just her physical self that is in survival mode. Something of her own soul, her own spirit is surviving in her. Yeah. And she just had the fucking courage to ask a question about it. Mm-hmm. Love it. So we left that. that. That's all she wanted to know about career. She was so happy, Kelly. And it was in... From the ways that I understood it and put down in the notes anyway, it was in all of the areas that she actually has interest in. Oh, sorry, Kelly, one more point. The guide said that eventually she would be an entrepreneur, but that she shouldn't start out that way. That she actually really did need um, some mentorship, but that she needed the type of mentorship that healthy teachers can provide that would encourage her with within her own skills and give her the tools to be a business person. And that this would be an amazing process for her um, that she that would build her brain and her thinking processes where her parents and her past career didn't give her those opportunities. And they said the very last thing we want to talk to her about is to go back to relationships. She did write down on her page that she wants to know when she would have a partner again. And our answer is going to be within 10 years, no sooner than eight. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I remember when I first started channeling for people, that made me so freaking anxious to say that to somebody because everybody's responses were like, what do you mean eight years? I want them now. (laughs) Okay, toddler. Right? I don't, to me, eight, like, well, any number of years that they're going to say just lets you relax. It's like, oh, okay. I have like eight years to do all of the things that I'm interested in. I have eight years to relax, to heal, to achieve, to explore, to do all of the fun verbs that I need to do before sharing my life with someone enters the picture. Exactly. And I've come to not have that anxiety or trepidation anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Partly because I understand it, I've lived it. And partly because I see what a beautiful gift um, time is. is. And time is in particular when you need to heal from something or you want to discover something or you just want to breathe again. It doesn't have to be for one particular reason. You could have many and they could be different for each person. You know, like, I don't even know which way to to approach this conversation, but like coming from someone who is in a relationship, if someone had said to me, it's going to happen at 28, 
I would have done things very differently in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I and, and, you know, a lot of people want to know because they don't want to worry. But it's like I would have approached it of, okay, what do I want to do, achieve, like we just talked about, before that part of my life starts? Right. So do I want to get school out of the way before a partner starts? Do I want to get some travel out of the way before I quote unquote settle down? Right. Are there places I want to go just by myself before I start traveling the world with someone else? Like there are so many more fun questions that you can ask yourself about what part of your life you want to be just yours. And I'm going to say something here, Kelly. If somebody is listening to this and goes, what? And cannot fathom the beauty that is involved in this answer and what you just said, then I would really suggest life coaching. I yeah. would really suggest sitting down with a therapist or both that actually can ask you those beautiful questions so that you can be led in discovery. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I'm just talking about the stuff you want to do by yourself. You mm-hmm. could sit there and go, okay, I really want to make sure that I want to pour my heart and soul into the time I have with my nieces and nephews Mm. or my adult siblings before a partner walks into my life and we create something separate and together, right? Mm -hmm. Separate from the family of origin together with each other. Like there's just, the options are endless of how you can enjoy your life. I love the thing, the question that you just posed, how do I want to enjoy my life? How do I want to create my relationships? Mm-hmm. Because and so many of us don't think about that. We just think I want one and I have no idea how it's going to look. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's drilled into our head is that if you don't have one, you're not working hard enough to get one. And that's not how things happen. Right. Right. Like you're not supposed to be tirelessly putting yourself out there to create forced opportunities. So if we can let go of the idea that we're not doing enough to get what we want, which is a very North American way of looking at things, then you actually could have room for that question of how do I want to enjoy my life? Yeah. I think it's beautiful. You're pointing out that there are other, other ways of thinking than the one that society forces upon us Mm -hmm. or offers us consistently Mm -hmm. that isn't healthy. So when the guides first said eight years to her, her response wasn't the greatest at the beginning. And Then she paused and she goes, well, hold up a minute. If I take that course, you can see her starting to add things Totally. If I take that course, that's three years. If you talk about the business course and the one that I want, it would be an extra two years because I'd like my master's in it. And then, and you Mm -hmm. can see her quickly adding up her time and going, oh my God. And then if I wanted to start my business, I'd have all, I'd have three years to put into starting up a business. So by the time I got a partner, I would only be this year's old. I'd still be able to, I'd be in this position financially. You could see her actually going from, oh my God, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, to, oh my God, this could be exciting and full and fun and busy and incredibly rewarding for me. Mm-hmm. Not an us, but in me. Yeah. In a really beautiful way that her parents never allowed her to see that she is a me. Mm-hmm. And um, let's just kind of like jump to the end here. And I mean the end of the eight years. The amount of growth that comes from being in school and going through a schooling program, specifically post-postgraduate degrees, 
Um, those are very trying and you learn a lot about yourself. And the growth that you have to go through as an entrepreneur is, <laughs> oh my God, I don't even know how to quantify it. Um, the amount of lessons of self or the, the amount of self-discovery that she will have gone through in those eight years, hopefully, is also going to allow her to be a healthy we and still have the existence of I in the relationship. That's the goal. By the time it comes around. That is exactly the goal, Kelly. And then she says to me, well, wait a minute then. If I got, if I got my partner now and I was going to try and do all of those things, then maybe at the end of all of those things, I wouldn't want to be with the same partner because I would change a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, it is possible. Or, or she might never even start those things because that's not a very we thing to do. Mm -hmm. That's a very me thing, and I can't, I can't be a me in this relationship. Well, and so far in her life, she can't be a me in any relationship. And and what I wanted to say too is like when you go through those programs and then you go through to be this this entrepreneur, you can't get into a relationship at that point and go, okay, I did it, I achieved all these things. Now I'm going to go back to merging into one person, right? Right? Like you you just yeah. can't because you can't live a business life like that. So it will be such an incredible transformation to hear about, watch, see, um, or observe that in those in that eighth year. When that comes around, she's a she's a totally different person. She sure is, Kelly Sarlo. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? I think that's um, a wonderful way to put it, so that people can understand that growth is a beautiful thing, and that it is a healthy thing, and it is something worth working hard for. It's also fucking necessary. You know mm -hmm. what? Like the the we can call it pretty names because you know it is a wonderful thing, but like it's also necessary. Mm -hmm. If you're not growing, like you've got an you've got a aging child. Oh, well said. Yeah. And and I do. I think many people might sit there and go, "Yep. Right on, girl." Whether they know they are one for somebody else mm -hmm. or they know their partner is one or they recognize that they're both like that mm -hmm. and that they're in this codependency because both of them have those issues. Right? Right? And hopefully listening to this, people are going to go, okay, there's something else out there that's healthier. And Mesa says to me at the end of the session, because I'm done and the guides are done now, and I wrote this part down, Kelly, so I'm going to read it. She says, I've done all of these things with each guy, you know. I don't want to anymore. I'm single now and I need to stay this way till I know how to be healthy. What a mess. Good thing I want to change, eh, Karen? And then we had a quick conversation around, well, not quick, but I mean, let's say a summary of some of the things that the guide said to her during the session about going to school, learning different things. And she asked for the tools. So she said, do you have the books? Do you have the resources for these things? And I told her about Patreon. I told her about our website where uh, on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo that has emotional intelligence tools that gives her a process and the support group in the book club that allows her to read the books and come forward with her own thoughts in a group and where everyone else in that group is respectful of her thoughts, won't tell her what she should think, but will share their own experiences 
and their own growth in it so that she can understand, oh, we all come here and do this. Not one of us and other people correct us. So we talked about resources and just um, a little bit about starting and making steps so that she has a process to go forward. Our session ended on hope, I tell you. Congratulations. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big day for her. It is. It's, it's a lot of clarity around things that were very confusing um, and around some things that she didn't even understand were confusing, oh. like, i.e. the relationships with men, where she just thought it was their behavior and not hers. So to have, to have explanations, to have the validations for her, to have an apology from her parents. It's a lot of stuff. You're right. It's a big day. Mm-hmm. So Mesa and I were done, Kelly, and I hope everybody got something out of her story and enjoys their day. I can't imagine they wouldn't. Well done. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlows. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode. Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. We are a mother-daughter duo of mediums, medical intuitives, psychics, and energy healers offering personal sessions to clients all over the world. And this is our podcast. Coffee with the Sarlows is a platform to share the remarkable experiences of our clients and the messages that are channeled for them from the spirit world. These stories will make you laugh, some will make you cry, and some are certain to be an absolute butt-kicking with love. Our intent for this podcast is to gently and kindly challenge your beliefs, grow your empathy, and help you find pieces of your own self in each one of these individual stories. Before we jump into today's show, we have a few notes for our listeners. Karen and I have personal practices channeling for local and international clients. If the stories in these shows is something you'd like to experience, you can request your own personal session through our website, bysarlo.com. We also have gift certificates available if you wish to gift this experience to someone anywhere in the world. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. This series is your emotional and intuitive intelligence toolkit. We pick one topic every month and provide you with healthy tools for critical thinking and communication. This series airs the first week of every month. The first show is free and can be found on our website, your favorite podcast platform, or YouTube. The full series can be found on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Patreon is our membership portal with a ton of monthly benefits for those of you seeking to grow your emotional and intuitive intelligence. Karen has a personal blog that explores the beauty and importance of intuitive gifts. There's a question and answer segment that addresses listeners' questions. As we mentioned, you can find the complete Sips of Sanity series here along with handy habit trackers and great reflective questions to help you get the most from the shows. We provide you with guided journeys and music to enrich that experience, and we're running an emotionally intelligent, interactive book club. And for patrons in our top tier, each month we're putting your names into a draw for a free half-hour channeling session with Karen or myself. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Now, on to the show.